the beavers inhabiting Turtle Creek Basin, had jury-rigged a cedar stick dam across the flow, creating a still pond that the big man hadn't counted on. He had to step high to avoid being splinter-pricked in the caboose. And when he finally had navigated the beaver dam, he then had to wade the shallow pond it had created to get where he was going. A dam bigger than any dam troop of beavers had ever dreamed of, if beavers dream. His galoshes slogging through the pond exactly matched in rhythm and cadence the thumping sound of Bobby Beaver's flat tail. The big man peered through stingy moonlight and eventually spied Bobby, hunched over a cedar stump whose flesh he had gnawed into a pencil-point peak, whose trunk had been felled for the sake of the little beaver industry. Humph, thought the big man tromping the pond. You want to see a dam? Follow me, Bobby Beaver, and I'll show you what fur. Over the bald, dry ridge lay an attenuated coulee that the big man had to cross to reach his destination three miles distant. A moldy yellow moon with a toothless, gaping sneer shed thin light across the barren mountaintops and poured down along the coulee's granite walls onto the flat valley floor, where, eons past, raging glacier melt had carved a zigzag pattern that made the big man think of an Indian rug. He lifted his mud-soaked boots out of the pond, tightened the straps of his bulging backpack, and climbed a knobby knoll where he stood on the brink of the rise, his black shadow throwing a light, starved void across the coulee, and he thought of Darla. A man about to commit an especially heinous crime ought to stay focused on the present moment, but all the big guy could think about was Darla. She lived in Astoria, Oregon, below the great winding steel bridge that soared up and over the mouth of the Columbia River, connecting Oregon to Washington. Darla worked at Astoria First National Bank, where he had discovered her one prodigious day at her little desk beside the bank's safe. She had bachelor button eyes, and hair the shade of cedar bark. She loved a good margarita, and she loved to fool around. She had perfect breasts, passable waist and hips, a magnificent fanny, a GED diploma, and enough experience to use them all to her advantage and his supreme satisfaction. He couldn't wait to see Darla, have a good long do, and pay a brief visit to her bank vault. He'd do it too, and he'd do something even more exceptional over Easter vacation. Good Friday, 44 days from today. Today was Ash Wednesday, and the big guy could honestly say that he missed the familiar ritual of the priest smudging the black ashes on his forehead. From his Patagonia vest, he fished out a crumpled pack of big chiefs, lit one up, smoked, allowing the ash to build up, and carefully tapped the ashes off into the palm of his hand. When they had cooled, he stood on that rise overlooking the coulee, and with the middle finger of his right hand, dipped into the ashes, he intoned, From ash you came, to ash you shall return. Then reached up and smudged a fat blotch on his forehead. He wasn't a religious man, just fixated on burnt ashes and other remnants of fire. Releasing a coil of rope from his hip belt, he wrapped one end around Bobby Beaver's stump and rappelled down the coulee wall. Hours later, the resplendent moon now barely visible, he had traversed the coulee's dry creek bed floor 
and had pickaxed his way up the far wall. Now he stood on the opposite ridge and looked back from whence he had come. If he squinted, he could almost make out the silhouette of Bob Beaver up on that other ridge. Then the moon slipped behind the mountain, and the shadows succumbed to blackness. He turned and faced the low rim of concrete bulkhead on the western edge of Rocky Reach Dam, where its concrete wall choked off the Columbia River at a narrows half a mile across. It was early March, a mild, windless night, perfect for shenanigans.